Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Uh, we hope that you, the listener, are doing better than one of the hosts of this podcast as he has fractured his ankle in two places, uh, pleasing nobody. Oscar, yeah. outside of the broken ankle, how are you doing? I'm okay. I feel like the broken ankle is kind of dominating my life. I've slipped and fell at work yesterday. And now I need surgery. So, um, yeah. Uh, outside the broken ankle, Blake, let's focus on it. I've been, at least I've got to watch, like, or basically all of the World Cup. Um, I didn't watch Before... either of the semis because I was back at work. But, you know, right. pretty much every other game I've watched. I think this is the most World Cup I've watched ever in my life. So, there, at least there's that. Yeah, a blessing in disguise. Although yeah. I'm sure you'd rather have the healthy ankle. Yes. Um, I do have to somewhat feel like it is my fault because no, I you asked me, do you want to switch position? I sent you to go play defense, oh. and then you broke your ankle. That's so true. Ago. That's so true, um, Blake. I can blame all of this on you. All yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll take it. Plus, oh. you know, you know, I put together the team, so no, it's fine. I mean, I thought my day couldn't get any worse when. I missed two open goals in a match previous to the one I broke my ankle in. I've never in my life have I missed such, such easy chances. Very strange. Yeah, also against such a good team. Yeah, I don't know what was going they on with me. ended up making it very far. I should have just stayed off. I should have, that should have been my warning. Um, How are you? How are you? How are you? I'm good. I... Also, have been dealing with some injuries. I oh, no. sprained my ankle. Um, oh, what? Seriously? Yeah, in my university match. Um, and I decided just to play through it for the next like three weeks. Um, and so now I finally, you know, given myself two weeks to heal, and I'm almost yeah. completely there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, talking, keeping it on the, the, you know, down uh, mood talking about football. Um, yes. I'd like to start this podcast with, you know, we always start with West Ham, Newcastle. We do. Uh, but there's no clubs. So we're going to start with England and the USA. Oh, that's a good um, idea. I like that. In USA versus England 2, uh, you know, a rematch of some of the most historic USA wins, uh, which are actually draws, uh, and one win. But this draw, this 1-1, in which England looked very tepid, uh, and their chances of dominating the World Cup like all the fans and you expected uh, looked a little precarious. Um, But just your opinions on USA versus England. um, Were you devastated? Um, Is this a win for the USA? I watched this game in the emergency room because I broke my ankle 20 minutes before it. This is the fateful day. England couldn't even oh, pull through. Like, yeah, Breaking your ankle was probably the best part of sure. this day. They, uh, they couldn't even pull through to, to help me uh, feel better by, by scoring a goal. To be honest, I wasn't paying a ton of attention to this match, obviously, but it was on in the background. Um, I watched highlights afterwards when everything was a bit calmer. And, you know, when people pose the question, well, is that a win for the US? I think my answer is 
sort of. Um, I think the real victory is that they played really, really well. They played much better than us, and they had such a great identity. I, mean, I could actually see a plan, right? I could see how this US side is going to look in 2026 with these dynamic, exciting players who are technically excellent. Um, you know, like... You've got the likes of, you know, Pulisic, who is dynamic in attack and is a bit of a workhorse. And then you have, you know, players like McKenney and Adams in the midfield and Brandon Aronson to come on. And, and these sorts of players that are just, you know, they, they in, in classic U.S. fashion, in classic U.S. sports fashion, they, they're a real strong team. Um, I will say that I think we played really badly and still didn't get beaten. Um, obviously, everything is a moot point now because both of these sides are out of the World Cup. Neither of us are in the final. But yeah, I think it's a, that's a definite win for the US. Um, was it the embarrassment of 2010? Was it 2010? I think it was. Was it the embarrassment of 2010? No, it wasn't. Um, but you know, definitely something for the US to be to be proud of. Do you think we should give more credit to Greg Berhalter um, for his overall? Performance in this World Cup, getting out of the group stages, or no? I know you no. don't like him. No, I think he got, you know, the credit. He, he you know, he received he deserves, the credit. He's That's like fine. accurately rated. Yeah. I, I wonder. Do you think that with this, t- right? Because this, this World Cup is four years too early, right? I mean, on paper, the U.S. should. I'll, I'll go so far as to say, should be a strong side in 2026, especially given home advantage. However much that counts across three nations, but. Do you think that another coach would have done a much better job with this current U.S. side in this World Cup? Or do you think Berhalter basically did as, you know, as well as he could have? Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, he's doing pretty much the best he can. I think for probably 85% of this U.S. squad, they're at their peaks right now. Um, and... I mean, I can't really see, you know, like Tyler Adams improving too much. You know, he's like a very solid Premier League player. He's not going to become a world beater or anything. He's Um, being linked with a bunch of top sides. I I don't get it. I don't understand how his stock has been raised by this World Cup. Um, He's another player who I think, you know, he's rated outside of U.S. media. He's rated quite fairly. you know, like Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic. I think these are the best that these players are going to be. It's just, can they keep it up for the next four years? Um, yeah, can they be at a similar level? And then can players like Brendan Aronson vastly improve um, four years from now? Um, I will say, you know, attacking was never really the U.S.'s uh, downfall. It's always been the defense. Um, and, you know, the last World Cup... Um, last you know basically every tournament it's always a new generation of defenders um who it's like this is their last world cup or this is their last major tournament and then they're probably going to retire um and i don't there's not too many you know super promising young central defenders or goalkeepers for the usa yeah um so uh I think they'll become an even more top-heavy team yeah. in 2026, and I'm sure they'll be helped by home field advantage quite a bit. But uh, 
you know, I don't have super high hopes for high, 2026. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll be an exciting side. I just really, in, I'm going to interject really quick. Like, whatever you've been doing for the past 30 seconds, keep doing it because you sound normal. Previously, you've been a little bit all over the place. All right. I changed. Oh, okay. I changed yeah. absolutely nothing. So Okay, well, then maybe that's just how it is. It's fine. Um, I do agree with you. I think I wasn't expecting the U.S. to be so exciting in this tournament. Um, and, you know, you didn't pull up trees or anything, but I just felt that you were involved in some good games. And, and again, that dynamism, um, uh, that's my kind of football. I enjoy watching a, a midfield that presses and, and just these quick, nippy players all over the pitch. Um, and you know, it was, as you say, you know, it was fun seeing Tim Ream being really good at the, the pack, just like he's been for Fulham this season. Um, the redemption of redemption, the redemption arc of Tim Ream continued in this World Cup for sure. Um, yeah, the redemption gossip on the gossip pages. What about what's all this stuff with Gio Reyna? All this, have you seen this? Where well, he, yeah, what is this all about? Is he a diva? I mean, this kind of was an issue all throughout the world cup um where for whatever reason he just could not get selected for Mm. the u.s squad um you know he was essentially the fourth attacking option option, um and uh you know i think you know he's i think he's better than brendan aronson um really yeah yeah i love brendan aronson i think he's so good I think they're playing different. They're different players, to be fair. I'm not sure how, but they do play the same position for the U.S. national team. So, um, although I don't know, maybe he could play centrally. But basically, he was not being selected at any point. Um, yeah, you know, and they would, you know, stick a striker out on the wing rather than bring out bring on Giorena, or you know, have have a winger playing in center attacking mid instead of bringing on Reyna when he can play both positions. Um, yeah, he, I didn't kind of, he didn't have to choose the U S to represent. I think he's eligible for four nations. Um, Giorena, yeah, it's England, Mexico, U S and Canada. It was, I thought it was either Spain or Germany. Oh, okay. Um, but he chose the U S and at the time it was a very big deal. Um, yeah. And you know his career has not panned out the way injuries that people injuries. thought it would have you know in 2018 yeah um but uh, yeah i'm not surprised at all that you know he's pretty pissed off that he wasn't really featured in this world cup right um but i don't know it's kind of just you know that is the usa's strong point yeah that's true so yeah whatever he'll you know, I'm not totally sure that uh, Greg will make it until 2026. So. Really, you don't think so? What's in between? You guys, what, what major tournament will you be playing in? Concacaf. Yeah, Concacaf 2024. I thought Yunus Musa was a standout. Um, another player who who's like dual national. You know, he could have played for England. He grew up in. Um, I'm pretty sure he grew up in South London. Um, uh, that is absolutely true. He. Yunus Musa is famous for literally only being in the United States for I think two days before he moved. He was to Italy. yeah, he was born there. His, yeah, yeah, his 
parents were Ghanaian and they were on they were living in oh, Italy. They were on vacation, vacation in That's the hilarious. USA. Uh, had Eunice Musa went back, back to Italy, then moved around a bunch of times. They've lived. Oh. They're like globe trotters. So he um, probably could have represented Italy too. Yeah, he was. He grew up in Italy. He yeah. started off his youth career there. Wow. Um, yeah. So good. yeah, I think he improved his stock um, as well. Um, yeah, he's a pretty good little player. But you know, he's great. The USA yeah. is very top heavy. And just going back to what's next in 2026, I think yeah. they're only going to get more top heavy. Um, so I think there's probably going to be a lot of players who are you know, not the happiest campers. Um, yeah. But I think that's enough talking about a team that had went barely out made it the, out of the group. round of 16. Then, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll come back and talk about England. Well, I'm going to have to stop you, Blake. It's you. I can't hear you. Sorry. It's uh, really going crazy. That's not good. Will I just keep talking until it fixes itself? It's fixed now. Okay. Okay. Hopefully Blake remembers to cut. <laughs> um, okay. Let's hop to uh, group stages. Um, just a couple of interesting groups, interesting things, things I want to know your opinion on. Uh, let's go to group A, uh, where everything started this World Cup. Aha, group A, Qatar's group. Yes, and I will be asking you about Qatar. Uh, okay. And Qatar's qualification. Should the host nation for the World Cup always be given a spot? Oh, that's a great question. Ha. Huh. Um, my instinct says yes. I don't think... I, I, I have no issue with the, the host nation being given an automatic spot. I think that the real, the real problem lies with um, the means in which various host nations get the honor of putting on the World Cup. Um, and I think that, you know, if that is fixed, then we could see some nations, some fun places being able to, you know, if being able to get a spot in the World Cup, um, I like, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I think, I think it works. That's For example, like, I, I like the South Africa in 2010, like we got to, I mean, they were terrible, but you know, uh, it's like these nations don't necessarily get a chance. So. But you know, the way it works, you're never going to see it in a World Cup. You know, I mean, obviously, other than this World Cup, you're rarely going to see a World Cup in a, in a smaller football mad country that might have a hard time getting into the World Cup. Like, I don't know. I mean, or, or even, for example, like I, if it was in Nigeria or something, that would be amazing. You know, a huge country, football mad. Africa is incredibly hard continent to get out of in the World Cup qualifications and you know, that would be fun, but what do you think? Yeah, I disagree. I hate I hate that the mm. host gets an automatic spot. I also okay. hate group stages. You know, I think it should be oh. double the teams, but single elimination, just a bracket. All oh, really? Uh, yeah. I like that. Wow. Then you'd have, but wow. Okay. But then, oh, it's, that's, that's a very, that's almost a different sport, I would say, because that's so, you know, there's no... There's no space to, to breathe. There's no space to, yeah. to grow in the tournament. I like that. I think that's totally the point. I think, uh, you know, it shouldn't be, oh, you know, we'll let Argentina get their legs 
you know, they get one crap match to start out and then they can, uh, you know, dominate the knockout stages. Interesting. Um, you know, I think like if a team has a terrible side, they get eliminated and, you know, that's the beauty of tournament football. Um, mm. Plus, I thrive for chaos. So uh, I would love just the mayhem that comes with, you know, a very uh, chaotic tournament overall. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, going about the nice thing, like smaller countries being able to host, that is cool. Um, you know, I would love to see like a super, super intense football loving country with a terrible national team, like yes. Vietnam. Yes, Vietnam yes, yeah. Hosting True. At one, you know, Vietnam. India. Excellent place. Yeah, India would be awesome. And then just seeing the Indian national team struggle to... Yeah, do anything. Yeah. Yeah, take a goal kick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's all I had about Group A. Group B was just USA versus England. Um, cool. There were some interesting things that, you know, if you want to talk about, such as, like, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Um, Saudi Arabia were a a team that I was really, really surprised by. Um, and maybe in retrospect, I sh shouldn't have been as surprised, seeing as the continuity in that side is, is really what made them shine, right? Like, um, they, yeah. they all play in, this, in the same league, and most of them play for the same teams. They either um, play for Halal or Nasser. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they were really good. Like, I thought the quality of their, you know, was really high. Um, and yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was, that's one of the great World Cup moments to see a, a side like Saudi Arabia beating, beating Argentina, for sure. Yes, I believe it was the uh, greatest upset in terms of coefficients in World Cup history. Yeah. Um, which it doesn't mean too much, but um, it's cool, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I enjoyed seeing Argentina lose. Yeah. Um, group D, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but I think Group E is where it's probably the either the best or the second best group. Um, this is the Japan, Germany, Spain group. Yeah, Costa Rica and Spain, Germany. Costa that was Rica. an excellent group, especially seeing yeah. as Costa Rica sort of surprised us. Surprised and us all, almost right? made it out. They almost uh, did. It was so close. I think for a couple of minutes they were out. Yeah, they were. Um, and then they were going through. Uh, yeah. Some Spain, I think. It was no Germany uh, pulled one back, which eliminated Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, but uh, this group kind of had everything. Jap the Japanese national team, which uh, you know is kind of the world's darling. Um, yeah, everyone loves them. Everyone sure. loves the Japanese team. The Japanese fans. Um, two classic giants who both have had their struggles in recent times in Spain yes. and Germany, and then also 2010's darling in Costa Rica. Um, yeah. Plus all the drama that was table shifting and everything. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, where does this Germany uh, collapse rank in you know all these other you know German blunders recently? Yeah. Yeah. Hello? Hello. 
you you cut out a bunch when you was I think I was keep I was keeping up with you and then you cut out before you might have been saying a question. I was just saying, where do you think Germany, like this German blunder, ranks amongst the recent oh, other okay. German right. blunders? You cut out so it made the question sound like a statement. Okay, here we go. Oh. Um, I think this is really, really bad for Germany. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's been poor post-2014, obviously. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily rank it better or worse failure. I think it just is a continuation of something fundamentally wrong with the way that the German national side is being run. Because you, I think the most damning thing is that you would say that there would have been no difference if Jürgen Love had just stayed on, right? Like that, and that's really bad for Hansi Flick, a guy who sort of came out of nowhere, did a bunch of great stuff at the Bayern side, and, and was, you know, people were really excited to see him take over the Germany national side. And it's, there's just no identity. I have no feeling toward the German, the German side, right? Beaten in the Euros by us and in the quarters and, and going out in the group stages again at a World Cup is, he's still, I mean, he didn't even step down, right? Of all the national team managers that have stepped down, I think he should, he should be the one to go. Um, so no, I'm not going to say it's it's worse, but I, I think it's just a continuation of of something wrong. They need another, another. What did they? What did they? There's a name for it. The thing they did in the 2000s that made them win the 2014 World Cup. You know, they need another another sea change, another revolution. I think. Yeah. Um, my uncle is German, um, so I yes. enjoyed rubbing this in his face. Um, but yeah, you know, I love to see Germany struggle. Um, I just, in general, I like watching classically big sides. Well, yeah, uh, who doesn't come upon hard times? Who yeah, exactly. Doesn't? And it's a shame that Spain qualified. Um, but we will talk about Spain later. Yes. Um, okay, Group F. That is Morocco, Croatia, Belgium, Canada. Um, Canada, another darling. Yeah, people were very excited about them, weren't they? Yeah. By God, did they disappoint. They, they really did. They were very disappointing. They were pretty poor. Um, there was a couple good moments, you know, tied up in goals, but that's really very much it. Um, my questions for you, uh, I'm actually going to ask you about all three of the other sides. Um, starting with Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does the quality of the Belgian squad warrant some of the media, you know, words used to describe yeah. the squad? Or have they been so fundamentally flawed for so long now that, you know, you shouldn't even think about the, the players they do have. You, like, you just know they're going to disappoint. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and my question, like, I had written a question in some notes to you. And I, instead of focusing on the players, I'd focus on Martinez, right? So I think that's the that's the the, the central like point of confusion for me. Is it the players or is it the coach? So I think lots and lots of people, you know, eviscerate Martinez for wasting a golden generation of players. So they, you know, the you know, if 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 there had been a different manager at the helm, would they have achieved more? I. You know, it's, I think, objectively, 
at this World Cup, it's like De Bruyne said, they're just too old. I mean, like the time had passed. When several of your senior players are mentioning the fact that, you know, in the case of Hazard, he said, I'm not super sure why I've been selected. Like, I've barely played for three years. And De Bruyne is saying everyone's too old. And and Toby Alderweireld is making comments, you know, on social media and all this stuff. You know, it it felt like in... It almost felt like 2018 was their time. And then in the Euros, it had already felt like it was jobs of the boys. And And this time around, like, I'm surprised they even got as far as they did like i thought they would be even worse um so i i don't think that i would blame the players necessarily because you know if i'm if i'm a player i'm not going to say no to to representing my country even if i'm you know deep down or not even so deep down i'm pretty sure that i'm past it um so i i think like the more discussion should be had over martinez who's I think he stepped down now, so, you know. Um, but I think Belgium's real issue is that they have no one coming through, right? Like, Jeremy Doku, who was their great, great hope, um, their big prodigy, has just barely played in two years um, due to injuries and, and whatnot. So, I don't... The, the future of Belgian football does not look very bright to me. What do you think of Martinez? Is he an abject failure, like um, lots of uh, corners of the media have said, or is that harsh? No, it's not harsh enough. Uh, he, you know, one, I don't know how he held this job for so long. Oh, so long. He must have. He's a smooth talker. Somebody. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he even has like a good coaching staff around him. Um, Thierry so, Henry isn't. Well, I'm not talking Thierry, Thierry Henry. Yeah. I'm talking good. Graham Jones, now sure. Newcastle legend. Yeah. Uh, you know, long time assistant coach of Belgium. Um, yeah, that's true. And he, I just I don't get it. I don't get where he got the respect. You know, I, it mm. feels to me that he lost the respect before he joined Belgium. Yeah. Um, and you know how he's stayed in it for what six years I, now is the perform. I don't know. I I think that the 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 performance against Brazil in 2018 is tactically. Uh, an inc- a great performance. I I, I would say that that the, he he deserves some credit for for some of the things he's done. And and to be fair, like he has guided Belgium to late stages of tournaments in every tournament he's been in, bar bar this one, including Nations League stuff. So I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like. There's there's too much extreme discourse on both sides. Like people who appraise him, I don't necessarily see that, but I'm not sure that he deserves like to be dismissed entirely over the job that he's done. But well, then, then maybe that goes back to your original question about the players, right? And so then, if I'm arguing that point, then maybe I should be saying, well, then the players didn't deliver. I don't know. There is no room for nuance on the peak too early podcast. No, there's abs- There's none. It's either, it's a black and white podcast for sure. Yeah, I I think it does go both ways. There's a lot of blame on both parties, um, mm. especially for the players. Um, mm. You know, talk about top heavy teams with the USA. Um, you know, right? Uh, you know, actually, and I will say, 
you can do very well in a tournament with no defense if you do have a world-class goalkeeper. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's what they were going for. But they essentially, that's true. no good players now, no good players 10 years ago. You know, Alderweireld and... Uh, Jan Vertonghen. Jan Vertonghen. They were not great. They were like above average Premier League players. Um, oh, that's so a harsh... I think they were... In their, in their peak, no. they were very, very good. They were very, no. very good in their peak. Yes, they were. I think they were maybe. very good. Uh, um, yeah, maybe I, I look back on them with shit. Yeah, last I mean, I think, I think that the la- they had like 18 months together at Tottenham at the end where their bodies were just clearly done. But under Pochettino, I think in those peak years, they, you could comfortably say, you know, especially Toby Alderweireld, I think he was one of the best centre-backs in the league for a couple of years. You you know, this Belgium team actually reminds me of a team that we literally completely skipped over in Wales, right? Oh, this this is another Wales back in our group, uh, Group B, were incredibly disappointing in this World Cup, which is a, obviously a real shame given given all the hype about the fact that they qualified for the first time since the 50s and etc. But Belgium feel like, this iteration of Belgium feel like a a bulked up version of of that, of, um, of Wales, of this sort of aging squad of top heavy superstars who, you know, is just sort of not performed well enough. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Who's the Welsh uh, Kevin De Bruyne? Uh, it's got to be, well, no, it's got to be, um, um, it has got to be Joe Allen. Oh, Joe Allen, okay. the king. Everyone loves Joe Allen. No, not really. It's, yeah, I guess Ramsey. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the weird thing about that Wales squad, just really quickly, is that none of those they, those players feel so old, but they're not. Joe Allen is 32. That's not old. Like, I thought he, Joe Allen was 37 or 30. 32 is crazy. Like, he's been off the top for, you know, he, he peaked in his mid-20s, and he's been doing... I mean, he's been performing solidly as a bottom of the league Premier League player and a championship player for since, but you know. Like he's not a good he's not he's not a superstar player, but he's not old. Neither is Aaron Ramsey, neither is Gareth Bale. Like Aaron Ramsey is thirty one. Gareth Bale is only what, he's probably turning thirty four now, like still only thirty three, like not an old guy. It's very strange. Um, okay, that's enough talking about Belgium and I guess the Wales. And Wales, sorry, I just, yeah. We, but we will continue to talk about old teams uh, mm. with Croatia. But, you know, I think talking about their group stage uh, for both Croatia and Morocco is a slight disservice to the both of them. Sure. Um, so let me ask you my final questions about the group stages and then we can move into knockout football. Mm-hmm. Um, for Group G, uh, this was a pretty interesting group, uh, and you could have realistically seen any of the three sides other than Brazil go through in second place. Um, I just wanted to know how big of a disappointment was this for Serbia, and like, is this Serbia's golden generation, and has that time passed mm. at, for 2026? Uh, that's a great question. I wouldn't, 
I don't. I, I would say I don't know enough about the Serbian national team to say if it's a golden generation. Um, at one point, I thought that they could be dark horses, and then they had a really bad performance. Um, you know, um, when they when they went out, um, but they were much more exciting than I thought they would be. And you know, it was fun to see Mitrovic doing it on the global stage and all this stuff. Um, if it's a golden gen, twenty twenty six, I have no clue because I don't know who's coming through. Uh, I don't know what the state of their youth teams look like. Um, we'll see. But, I mean, they certainly had a, a good spine in this tournament. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just saying that because essentially all of their star players are going to be, like, in their early in 20, their 30s. Early, oh, really? 2026. So Okay. Well, um, you know, then, yeah. Yeah, I suppose then. Okay. And then finally, our contender for... Uh, most exciting group um, other than uh, Group E is the Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay, and Ghana, uh, which saw South Korea qualify on goals scored over Uruguay. That was great. Um, What what an end to the group that was. Right. Yeah, Ghana eliminates uh, Uruguay on the final day, right? Indeed, they which is scored the goal against. I don't remember exactly how I, it worked. They scored a goal, which made the goal difference. I it might or something. It might have happened anyway, but yeah, I mean they they were involved in the elimination of Uruguay in a big you know the revenge from the twenty what was that twenty twenty ten World Cup. Um, that they've been craving for so long. And it was fantastic to see Uruguay striker Luis Suarez cry. Because um, we'd love to see that. Yeah, my first question for you is about Luis Suarez and his comments um, where he said, I didn't, I didn't miss the penalty or whatever. Um, he's saying that his handball didn't really matter and that they missed the penalty anyways. Yes, um, yes. Do you agree with that? Like... That the blame um, can't be entirely on Luis Suarez. Oh God! I mean, obviously, objectively, yeah. Um, but he cheated, so you know, it just seems I, like, it's like such a dick move, like to just even say it. Like, yeah, we get it, you know. Right. Yeah, and the handball—it's you know against the spirit of the game. Um, exactly. Like, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, we've talked about this before. Football cultures that to you know, they would say it's that's within the spirit of the game. The spirit of the game is to win. So do anything, do anything to win kind of thing. But yeah, no, it sucks. And yeah, I loved seeing Uruguay get illuminated. Um, also South Korea qualifying in really exciting matter. Yes. Um, and you, my South Korean friends were going crazy. Yeah. Uh, as they should like have been two 30 in the morning crazy. for them. Song Hyun Min though, continue. Well, he had one really, really amazing game, but sort of continuing his, Slightly at this point, worrying, um, worrying decline in form. You know. Yeah, you know I hate him. So yeah, you do. You do hate him. Um, But yeah, unfortunately, uh, Portugal topped the group. Uh, Yes, boo. Very glad that they are out of this tournament. Yeah. It. uh, Yeah. Love to see them get eliminated, um, especially in the manner that they did. Yes. All right, Oscar, say, well, just like 
in real life, the most important part, most exciting part of the podcast comes down uh-huh. to move on to the knockouts. Indeed. Out of the group stage. Um, first, I'm going to just talk about the matches that were just kind of meh um, and, you know, didn't really live up to the excitement of the World Cup. Um, and mm. starting out with Netherlands USA, um, yeah. it's just a gulf, a gulf of class. Um, there's just, you know, the USA never had a chance. Um, and the goal they scored was the flukiest of fluke goals. Um, and in a way, I'm glad to see the USA be eliminated. Just, just be because, eliminated, yeah. You know, it didn't need to be dragged on anymore. The USA sure. probably didn't deserve just get to more, qualify. More and more painful, yeah. Um, Argentina beats Australia, uh, which was a sad match for me. Uh, Newcastle legend Garon Cool had the opportunity to score the equalizer. Yes. Um, and it, in the end, it's an amazing save from uh, Emmy Martinez. Um, Japan sadly eliminated um, in some terrible penalty kicks. Yeah. South Korea sadly eliminated. Uh, got absolutely thrashed and then brazil uh you know took their foot off the pedal yeah poland brazil, brazil, never brazil. stood a chance against france poland never, Paul, yeah yeah senegal never stood a chance against england no uh and then switzerland probably the worst performance of any side uh, that was a sad one um yeah very sad to watch but uh, let's talk about the best round of 16 match, which is Morocco 0, Spain 0, and hands down the worst penalty kick uh, or penalty kicks uh, World Cup moment ever uh, in which Spain missed all of their penalties. Um, and oh my Morocco, God, that was astonishing to watch. Yeah, yeah how fun. Um, I was messaging my Spanish coworker the entire time uh, really and he you know, just was messaging me over and over again about how there was no way that spain would win that he could tell within 20 oh. minutes that morocco were going to we're win gonna win i i actually felt that too um watching it and when they stepped up when it got to penalties i was like it's over it's done like they they just like you could tell that every player who every spanish player who missed you could tell they were gonna miss um, and Sergio Busquets just retired, by the way, uh, like today, right. a few hours ago from uh, international football. So he's the last of that legendary Barca and Spain trio to, to go. Um, yeah, and Luis Enrique stepped down, I believe, from, from the national side, um, which, I don't know, may, maybe a little bit premature, I, I think. Spain were the best team. Well, no, I mean, I, Spain and Spain and Italy were were probably the the best teams in Euro twenty twenty one. I would say, um, despite the fact that we got to the final and and they did. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, what do you, what did you think of of Enrique's Twitch streaming during the World Cup? By the way, I like it. I like the transparency. Um, you know, I think that's like a nice thing. To, I don't have an issue with it. I'll yeah. say. I, you yeah. know, it's not something that I would watch or anything. Um, and I would have an issue with it if, uh, 
if this was like the U.S. coach or something, um, just because I would find it annoying. But you know, I don't have an issue. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I don't even really see why anyone could have an issue. What's the difference between that and him just like putting? No, no, no. I agree with you. I think the obvious highlight of this, um, or, you know, of of even any Spain chat is. Morocco beating them and therefore Morocco. I don't know if you wanted to move on to them just yet, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, yeah, right. I, I don't, it, it was just all about Morocco and the fact that they beat Spain and they have so much history with this country. And, and it, I think it was very symbolic. And, and the fact that they, you know, they're going to be playing tomorrow in the, in the, the third, fourth playoff. Like this is what an incredible story. And, and they played some incredible football, um, you know, not flashy, but just really solid, heroic performances. It's quite, I think quite the quite the fairy tale for them. Yeah, the furthest that a African side has progressed in World Cup history. Um, and yeah, very heroic performance. You know, with West Ham's own. So, uh, right. And who's probably injured again now, so... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, was yeah, obviously then, part of their problem where all their back line got injured, so... Right, exactly. I was going to say, you know, a, a Cinderella story that just runs out of steam um, and then came up against a juggernaut in France. Um, exactly. So, uh, first, I will just say, even though they lost 2-0 to France, they actually played very well. Yes, um, they did. They did. In another, you know, in another universe, uh, you know, they, they would go through. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it, it's not unreasonable to see that Morocco could have beaten France, and that truly would have been a little uh, unbelievable. And if they made a movie about it, it would be uh, unrealistic. But yeah, uh, who like what Moroccan player? you know, is your, uh, you know, MVP of that squad. Uh, it's Amrabat. It has to be Amrabat. Um, brother yeah. of, brother of Watford legend, um, Sofyan Amrabat. No, the, sorry, brother of Watford legend, Norden Amrabat. Sofyan Amrabat is my Morocco standout. He is 26, plays in, um, the midfield for Fiorentina, I believe. Um, and and he was just a standout midfielder this in this tournament. Um, didn't put a foot wrong, I don't think. Uh, and was dynamic and great on the ball, great off the ball. Um, and yeah, he's he's put himself on the map. That's for sure. Um, yes. I reckon that there'll be he'll be a sort of you know how in the what was it maybe in the Euros? I actually think Denzel Dumfries had like this like really standout Euros. I think it'll be sort of similar to that, um, where a, a bigger team will pick him up and maybe he can do a job. Yes. My, um, my favorite Amrabat quote of this World Cup was, he said something along the lines of, you know, I, it's great to see you know, teams like Bayern and Juventus and Manchester United, yeah. uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona be thrown around in wanting your services. But for now, I'm focusing on Moroccan football. But it would be really nice to play at the camp. That's now. funny. Um, yeah, obviously. Like the, just a hilarious quote. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, you know, he's 
hasn't had a he's had a very solid professional career nothing spectacular i mean he was at hellas verona before moving straight to fiorentina but went back on loan to hellas verona and he's you know he's he's a first team player but he doesn't pull up trees um no it's great i mean he's one of these moroccan players you know he's never lived in morocco he's dutch you know dutch moroccan and obviously there's a huge moroccan population in the netherlands um but I'm, you know, this Moroccan team is full of, of players who are like diaspora Moroccans, but their spirit in this tournament as well was just, you know, something to behold, such, such pride in, in what they're doing, representing their country. It's, you know, great. To yes. See. Well, also, it's what the World Cup should be about, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's really the spirit of the World Cup to have like the entire arabic world supporting morocco yeah and um, and the the entirety of north africa and likely just all of africa really like you know uh, yes yeah no i saw uh Ghanaian fans uh yeah that were like doing like a we're all moroccan yeah uh chance i have um yeah, algerian right. colleagues who uh rooting for morocco and you know teams that would traditionally be geographical rivals uh you know we're really behind morocco yeah uh yeah i'm sad to see morocco you know well we can here. root for them to to get third place and that would be you know i think that it would be it would potentially change the meaning of the third fourth playoff if they win third place like in 2018 the belgians didn't care that they won that right against us but if morocco win the third fourth playoff they're going to be in raptures you know that'll be seen as this huge success for them so right and uh the club world cup will be coming to morocco yeah. in tw- next year right 2023 oh, awesome. so yeah. uh you know yeah there's this great springboard for morocco yeah i you know i agree with the moroccan manager you know the third the third place match is the worst match in football yeah, um, yeah, it is. Obviously. Both as a spectator and probably as a player. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, let's continue talking about massive disappointments, mm-hmm. uh, and we can talk about England one, France two, uh, in quite the controversial match. Yeah, um, I will start just generally. Uh, was Gareth Southgate's approach to this tournament flawed? And if you want me to elaborate on what I'm getting at, I can. But um, if you want it just a clean slate, you can take on that approach. I mean, my clean slate answer to that would be no. Um, I, don't, I don't buy the criticism of Gareth Southgate particularly. I just think the man can't win. Um, I, don't want, I don't think I'm blinded. I by just the fact that I like his personality and the and what he's done for the PR relations, um, I think he's been sensible. I think he's had a clear plan. He has cl- he's had clear plans. You know, he's been open about why he plays a certain style of football. And indeed, in this tournament, he actually let loose a little bit. Like he would have been within his rights to be a lot more boring, like France. You know, um, because that's he's right. That's what wins football matches. I don't, yeah, no, I don't think he's approached it in the wrong way. I would, yeah, what, what, why do you elaborate? Why do you think that? Or if you do think that? Uh, this is just a, uh, 
you know, talking point, not just from Newcastle fans, but large part from Newcastle fans, that Southgate's, like, not just reliance, like, insistence on making Harry Kane work in the England system uh, held them back a little bit because, you know, Harry Kane is a very specific type of player uh, for Spurs, you know, he's surrounded by world-class players who have been training for years to play this style of football that, you know, Harry Kane can thrive in. And then for a team that isn't composed entirely of Spurs players, uh, having a very specific puzzle piece in Harry Kane up top limits what they can do going forward. Um, and then you see it when it doesn't go well, you know, this Harry Kane dropping further and further and further, and then in the end getting less involved in attacking spaces, whereas a player like Ivan Tony, Tammy Abraham, or Callum Wilson. Uh, oh, there's no way. I I couldn't agree, disagree more. I mean, he, that's, I mean, that's was very fair. I one of our best, one of our best players in this tournament. I just think that Harry Kane is a player that transcends. Like he fits. He's so good. Like he just fits into any system. He. I actually, I actually did not see any evidence of him really dropping super, super deep when things weren't going well. And I, yeah, I don't, I just don't agree with it. I, I don't know. I, I'm not, not in a, I don't, it's, I'm not disagreeing in an aggressive way because I think that you raise, like, you're not something, you, you, your criticism of Gareth Southgate is valid. So like, it's, it, you know, it's balanced. There are, there are people out there that just hate him and I have no idea why, but uh, yeah, I still, I just still don't see it. I just. I, I think that you can't... Harry Kane is one of those players that you can't not play. And there's no way in hell that I'm playing, however much I like them, Callum Wilson or Tammy Abraham or Ivan Tony in front of Harry Kane because Harry Kane is better than them. Um, uh, just all around I, better than them. You know? I wasn't talking about starting someone over Harry Kane. I was talking about like, oh, just not bringing off. Harry Kane off early enough. But like, or at all. What, what do you gain from bringing Harry Kane... Like, I would rather bring off... Like, I would rather do what Southgate did and put on Rashford in place of Foden. Or, like, why, what do you gain from bringing off a striker that good? A player that good? Like, it's in the category for me of you don't bring off Lewandowski. Like, you don't bring off... Obviously, I'm not saying he's good as Messi, but, like, you don't bring off your talismanic players who are clearly the best, the best players on your team. Um, especially when they're in that kind of form. You know, I mean, in... In the Euros, Kane was objectively bad up until the latter stages, up until maybe the Germany game and, and in the semis. Um, but, but this tournament, he hit the ground running and, you know, he was just showing his quality. And so I just, yeah, I just don't see it. But it's, it's an interesting perspective. That's very fair, I suppose. Um... That might be the most interesting we can get about this match because yeah, I mean, not... I'll just I want to say that I think I think we actually played better than France. Um, I think it was one of those that could have gone either way. I, I feel really bad for Kane for missing that penalty. Um, you know, he's such a good penalty taker. I mean, it just shows how much pressure that they go under and and what what that can do to to anyone. Um, then it was yeah, it was just it was a shame. The referee had a terrible performance as well. Uh, but there yes. you go. It happens. That's a recurring theme. Uh, yeah. 
in every match across every league. And, yeah. You know, I it's one of those things you just have to expect it now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sorry for. You know, no. Uh, I'm, well, I'm there are some other mistakes I think that Southgate made. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, I think that one playing Kyle Walker. I think Kyle Walker is an excellent right-sided center back in a back right. three. I do not like him as a right back in a back four. Um, mm. and, but he actually did, I think, I would say he played quite well against France. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought he played well too. So essentially, by not playing him, you or sorry, by playing him, you have Trippier off the pitch. Um, yeah, and you know, I think Trippier is the best free kick taker that England have, other than James Madison. Yes. So he, well, I, well, Rashford's up there too, but yeah. No, nah, I think Trippier is a better. Oh, he is. He is. I'm saying he definitely is. Than Rashford. But... Um. So you know, things like at the very end of the match when uh Harry Maguire gets clattered at the top of the 18 yard line or 18 yard box um you know i think that uh you know having trippier on the pitch you know is uh you know quite good and i also think you know obviously jordan pickford deserved to start this match but if nick pope is playing in goal the true many goal does not go in um yeah, that's oh. bread and butter for Nick Pope. So that's true. That's that's probably true. But that's just I honestly size. You know, I I yeah. still don't. I still wouldn't criticize Rooney and Pickford in this tournament. Um, yeah, it's another tournament ending in England penalty heartbreak. Um, yeah, you know there there's got to be some sort of curse at this point. Um, yeah, it's like how many times going to happen over and over again? Yeah, um, talking. Let's talk a little bit more about heartbreak because yes. the other side of this bracket had two matches that had heartbreak penalty finishes uh, as well. The first yeah. is, I don't know, probably my match of the World Cup so far: Argentina, yeah. Netherlands. What a game! Um, yeah, absolutely incredible match. Um, I thought. That the Netherlands were so dead um, and came yeah. back in quite, you know, heroic fashion. Uh, yeah, fashion, um, and it it had everything. You know, oh, I really all did. All the yeah aggression and the fights, skill, like everything. The um, the late goals, the the penalties. I mean, it really did have everything. Um, and Argentina were, you know, just dominant for. 85 80 minutes and then Val Vekos came on and scored twice. Um yeah, no, that was that was quite the game. And I think it 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 helped Argentina in the sense that I mean I'm sure that sort of they felt they might they probably felt a bit invincible after that all of that. Um and to dispatch all those penalties coolly. When Messi stepped up for that penalty, I was like I was convinced he was gonna miss. Um and that, you know, would have been... But he, he was pretty cool with it, so... Yeah. Um, who kicked the ball at the bench? Is that uh, I can't remember. 
I can't remember who it was. One of uh, the the Argentinian midfielders who I don't know much about. Uh, hold on. Who came on for? Oh, it was Paredes. Oh, Paredes. Um, yeah. yeah, who you know, historically well known to be a cunt. Yes, um, exactly. Kind of so, uh, do you think that should have been a red card? You know, because you know, he got, yellow, he got the yellow for the challenge. Yeah, on the Dutch player. I think like, it could anything for kicking the ball. Yeah, I think it could have been for sure. Uh, I think it could have been a red. Yeah, I agree. Um, this also this match had the most yellow cards ever produced in a World Cup match. Um, yeah, sixteen. Crazy. It was very fun. Um, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, yeah, uh, not too much else to say other than you and I talked about this in text. Just the set piece to score the second goal for the Netherlands has to go down as you know the most important. Oh. Genius yeah. piece ever. Ever, um, yeah. Sure. Now that you've had more time to think about it, could you think of any other like World Cup moments that are you can even compare to that? Um. Well, I mean, yeah, because well, sorry, not World Cup like. I mean, like top. The Beckham free kick that kept us in it, or that sent us through. Um, you know the the David Platt one. There's, there's, there, there are, you know, I would even say Trippier's, I mean, I guess it wasn't as important, it just opened the scoring. But, you know, there's definitely moments um, that, are, that are easily up there with that kind of, especially seeing as the Netherlands didn't win the game. I mean, it would be a different story right. if they won it. But, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, go on. No, no, I was, I was, I wasn't going to say anything new about, uh, about this match, so. Uh, I was going to flip over to Croatia-Brazil, right, which yeah. also uh, finished in penalties. Um, this match, also very fun. Also, you could see the exact moment that Brazil had lost this match. Um, it Once Brazil scored um, with their end of the first half of extra time goal, uh, they just totally went to sleep and just you know we're not putting it all in yeah. which is like very strange yeah it is strange yeah yeah you know aside that one they've experienced winning before um but you know they still have a lot of expectations you know for world cup where they have not been you know their historical dominant side um but uh the croatian goal scorer bruno petkovic I very much enjoyed him scoring because the uh, TSN, I, you know, I tried, if I was listening in English, I would exclusively listen to the TSN commentary just because I hate Fox Sports. Um, And by the magic of the internet, I know how to get the Canadian streams. Um, but they were talking about how Petkovic was like one of the worst strikers to ever play in the World Cup and that his performances were atrocious. Yes. Um, and then of course, he scores this super important goal um, to send it to penalties. Yeah. Uh, and then as soon as he scored, I was like, yep, that's it. And, you know, it's yeah. similar to Morocco, Spain. Um, it's just you could feel it. OK, you know, Croatia are going right. to win this match. Right. Um, yeah. 
now uh, just the final little bit. Um, Argentina would go on to crush Croatia. Um, not so much in performance. Croatia had an excellent first half against Argentina, but you know, in the end, Argentina just coasted to a victory. Yeah, they did. Um, both of these semifinals, I mean, you know, you mentioned it with Morocco and France was pretty tight, but not very, not super exciting either of them, I don't think. Right. Um, yeah, it could have been there, um, but it just wasn't. Uh, that is the end of the line for Croatia, except for a match that, you know, really doesn't count for anything. Uh, is this kind of Croatia's ship sailed? For It has to be, surely, right? I mean, right. Modric was absolutely incredible in this tournament i mean he really was he was playing he won the ballon d'or you know back in 2018 or whatever but he was playing twice as well as he was back then like he was just incredible at the age of 37 you know i mean it's it's a sight to behold to see him play honestly and the croatian manager today said that uh modric is not ruled out of euro 2024 no i'm sure he will play honestly i mean if it I feel like if he wants to, he will. Um, you know, and he'll be, what, 39? Like, crazy. Yeah. It, it's been done before. There have been some oh, yeah. old World Cup players. Um, but that does get us up to today. Um, I have a couple of players that I just want to know your opinions on their stock movement due to this World Cup. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about the next two matches. Uh, so first is uh, Monaco's goalkeeper and Croatian goalkeeper, Livakovic. Yes. Uh, do you think you know, he had kind of an excellent first run of form and then his performance against Croatia was certainly leaving a lot left to be desired? Um, do you think, you know, is he ready for the next step or you know, yeah. does he have a more years at Monaco. He's actually at um, Dinamo Zagreb. He doesn't play for Monaco. Oh, was that yes. a... Who's Monaco's goalkeeper? Uh, Nubel. Who's, oh. the German, who's that young German guy? Right. Um, I don't know why I thought Livakovic went to Monaco. Well, actually, Nubel might have been there last season. I'm not sure if he's there this season. Nope, he still is. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, given these performances, I, I would say if I was a... a a Europa League team, or maybe even a Champions League team in a in a league like the Bundesliga or Liga or something, I would I would take a look at him for sure. He was excellent, um, apart from maybe in in the France match. Um, sorry, not the French match in the Argentina in the Argentina match. Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, just really solid. Um, sort of can do everything. Bit of a modern goalkeeper, only 27. Um, so he's coming into form, and yeah, I'd take a look at him for sure. If, if for example, we didn't have Alphonse Ariola waiting in the wings at West Ham, I'd be like, yeah, definitely, come come to us. Um, uh, talking about a player you know, who played against Livakovic, who I never know, is it Livakovic or Livakovic? I have no clue, honestly. But uh, <laughs> Enzo Fernandez, who has been... Oh my god, what a good what a player. Um how did Benfica keep doing this? How do they keep making these 
players that are just ridiculously good. Um, yeah, 21. For me, he scored one of the goals of the tournament. I think probably the, unless there's something crazy in the final, the Richarlison goal might get it. But I mean, that goal he scored in the group stages was absolutely sensational. Um, and he just looks so confident. He doesn't look 21. You know, he looks old. He looks, he looks like a mature, muscular, you know, player who makes these like very certain confident decisions and i mean he's exciting he is really exciting yeah he's a he's like a you know kind of got that squatty uh body type he's the type of player that newcastle should be going after now i think they are linked to him but yeah. i just don't think they're going to spend a hundred million on him no but i mean would do benfica well actually benfica will they they do get those fees um for players yeah i i don't know i don't think anyone can can anyone afford him you know i would say if he scores the winner in the world cup final on sunday then someone will pay 100 million for him but um i'm not sure anyone will will pay that much money for him even though he's been so good um but yeah what a standout great player uh, th- we already talked about Amrabat, so my next player is uh, a fellow Moroccan, uh, Bono, who is yeah. surprisingly already 30 years old, which, you know, I remember yes. he was a hot prospect, so. Yes. Um, he, is he a good goalkeeper, honestly? <laughs> like, he's been, he's been there at Sevilla you know on loan he was at Hirona I believe before for a while going in and out of being the first team goalkeeper and then at Sevilla um, since 2020 and he had some high profile games in the Europa League and I think he won a Europa League with them Um, but not always a starting goalkeeper and definitely has a, a huge mistake or five in him um yeah like i don't know i don't know um he's been he was great in this tournament obviously um but as you know all as an all-round goalkeeper at the age of 31 would i go out and buy him no i think severe is his level born in canada by the way yes canadian legend um, yeah well he moved to casablanca when he was three so yeah i was gonna say yeah he yeah. um yeah was only in canada for a very brief amount of time yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh yeah. Um I yeah, I, I like him. I think he's a a very solid goalkeeper. Um Yeah, I don't know. Is he though? Because like the mistakes he makes are crazy. Like he makes big mistakes. Yeah, so, but you know, I think you know there are plenty of goalkeepers yeah, who who make mistakes like that. Pickford. <laughs> or at least yeah, he used so, to. He hasn't he, he hasn't does. to be fair, he hasn't in the last 18 months but mate you need to watch every time he plays against newcastle he <laughs> always makes at least oh, because he just can't deal with newcastle at all can yeah. he but yeah. mentally weak player um all right and my last player for you is cody gakpo because he was already being touted for a hundred million plus uh cody gakpo yes beforehand do you think he improved his stock um, based on his performances, if the Netherlands had gone further 
it would be more high profile. I think Ten Hag has him on lock, basically. Like, I think Ten Hag will go all out to sign him in 2023. Um, and I think he'll slot really well into that Man United side. Um, so, uh, you know, Cody Gakpo, he's a great player. Um, he's one of those players that I'd like to see him in a, in a league other than Eredivisie to see how he matures. Basically, because, you know, he's already 23. It's, it's not like he's 20 or 19. Um, so, you know, he does have football under his belt, but it's all in the Eredivisie. So uh, we'll, we'll see on Cody Gakpo. But he was a standout player for the Netherlands for sure, this tournament. Okay, very fair. Um, mm. And now we just have, you know, our final matches to talk about. Um, Croatia and Morocco in the match that means nothing. Uh, it does it even make sense to no. predict who's going to win or? Yeah, it, I'm asking. You know, like oh, you're again asking. I'm sorry. Does it? Sometimes it's, it's a little. It's been a little hard this podcast. I'm sorry, listeners. Um, uh, I don't for the the third fourth path. I, I I really don't know. I I just am focused on wanting Morocco to win. I don't want Croatia to get anything out of it really. Um. I've tried to have a grudging respect for them, but I kind of fail. I think they they have weird. They're just weird. They have weird personalities um, in there. Um, will I be watching it? Don't know. Honestly, um, my prediction for it would be probably a Croatia win, uh, boring one nil. Let's say. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. I want Morocco to win. I think Croatia yes. will win. I one thousand percent will not watch this match. No. Um, uh, and and for me, I think it'll be the same. I think I I want Argentina to win. I think France will win in the final. I give me some hope because <laughs> I want Argentina to win so bad. I I don't know why I'm so. I just I don't know if it's because France knocked us out. Like I don't obviously like you know I don't. I I think it's kind of boring for for teams to win it back to back. I think the French team are broadly pretty arrogant. I only like Olivier Giroud, you know. Um, but I want Argentina to win so bad. I just don't think they will. Yeah, it's for me, you know, I like Messi. I hate the rest of the Argentin- sure. Argentinian squad. Yeah. And then I hate all of the French squad. Um, yeah. You know, I hope that... Uh, I hope Argentina wins. You know, it's a nice, you know, storybook. Yeah. kind of thing for Messi and whatnot, and I would be happy to see a lot of these French players cry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just think you know, for, kind of just like the way that Man City, they're just kind of like boring to watch just because you know they're just going to... You yeah. know exactly how they're going to play and you know how to stop them, but you cannot. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty similar with France. Yeah, I, I'm just hoping for a good finale. Um, yeah, me too. Dramatic, me too. Me too. Me too. A fight, a red card. Messi, um, maybe Messi will go out like Zidane did. Who knows? That would be iconic. Except he wouldn't be able to headbutt anyone in the chest. He'd have to headbutt them in the stomach. He probably would. Yeah, he probably um, would. Is Diaby in the French squad? Which no, he got injured. Okay, I was gonna say he's the only player tall or short enough for Messi to uh, yes headbutt in the chest. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I'll say Argentina win, 
2-1 with an 89th winner from Lionel Messi. Just because, oh, of be course, incredible. it would have to happen that way. That, I, that would make me so happy, honestly. It really would. I think I'll actually be pretty nervous on Sunday for some reason. Like, I, might, I might not watch. You might not watch what? the World Cup final? Uh, I might. Oh my goodness, Blake. Crazy. I just am not super excited about it. No, I don't. Me neither. Like... Honestly, me neither. Honestly. Uh, yeah. I just, I, you know, Morocco losing, honestly, you know, yeah. really killed my excitement for the World Cup. Um, but oh well, you know, I'll watch it, but I won't be glued to the TV like I am sometimes. Um, Oscar, say well, do you have any other talking points about the World Cup you'd like to discuss? I don't. I would just say, bring on Sunday. We'll get this. You know, it's been. I've, I've, I've had, I've had many enjoyable moments watching this World Cup. So it's all been a bit strange, and I'm looking forward to the return of the Premier League and more frequent podcasts. Yes, definitely. Uh, this has been Season 3, Episode 10 of the Peaked Too Early Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please uh, rate us, review us, leave us a comment, send us an email, anything you would like. Follow us um, and subscribe. Um, and hopefully the next time we come to you will be post-World Cup, pre-start-up. Um, although... You know, good luck, Oscar and I planning something around Christmas time. No, that's not gonna happen. Um, but you know, we'll make fine. it work because I I don't have work, so that's true. Neither do I. I mean, also flexible surgery and well, we'll it'll maybe it'll be post World Cup, <laughs> post surgery, but yeah, we'll get you loopy and then yeah, get all your hot takes, all my hot takes. Uh, but thank you for listening and take care. Bye.